Again, inside San Quentin State Prison, where Chanton Bun noticed something new on the tier. And given the remarkable access of this story, scenes described can be graphic in nature. And as such, listener discretion is advised. Snap judgment. They start posting uh, 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 posters out about, oh, this is COVID, and then, you know, you get it because it's airborne and all that. Like, you know, um, they put the poster, but none of us could go read it. We're, we can't, we don't have day room. So how are we going to go read it? This is Chanton Bun, or Bun for short. They started cutting us on, on our, our work activities. Things started to change in San Quentin State Prison in March. The coronavirus was spreading across the world, and like a lot of people, Bun's routine on the inside changed overnight. April comes. There's no program running at all. No outside people's come in. All our program will all shut down except for essential jobs. No groups, no classes, no visiting. But then it started getting funny when they said, hey, you're in a cell, you got to sleep head to, head to toe. So you get six foot different. Everybody looked like, what the hell are you guys talking about? That's not six feet. We don't even got six feet in the cell to, to distance ourselves. And you're telling us to switch the way we sleep? But Bun was supposed to get out any day. He had just been found suitable for parole after more than 20 years. And he was waiting to get called down to finally leave. We're in May. I don't know when it's coming. I'm getting anxious. I'm asking, when am I going to get out? Nobody knows nothing. Nobody want to tell me nothing. The counselor don't know nothing. And I'm just stressed. Stressed. I know that feeling Bun's talking about because I was incarcerated at San Quentin, too. I served 18 years. But those last days inside were the longest. It hurts to think about those I left behind. But lucky for me, I was released right before the pandemic. The guards, they, they did not take this serious at all. Even though they're, they're, they were like one of the people getting infected too. When, when, when all this first started, they, they didn't even wear their masks. They, were have, they have it hanging on their chin. And they were just, you know, they act like we were the one that was going to get them infected instead of them getting us infected. While no one incarcerated at San Quentin had tested positive, the virus had already hit other prisons. One day out of the blues, uh, the fellas from R&R told us, hey, they just sent over guys from Chino. Once I heard that, I say, oh, it's going to be an outbreak right here. The prison out in Chino was in the middle of the deadliest coronavirus outbreak in all of California prisons. Hundreds of people incarcerated there had tested positive. Nine people had died. And then uh, right off the gate, they said it. Yep, the dudes had corona and the corona's getting passed. They start moving people around 
And we're like, okay, they're just spreading it around now. The day after the transfer from Chino, the first incarcerated person at San Quentin tested positive for COVID. In the first week of June, there were 17 active cases. That number grew to 49. And then in one day, it jumped to 198. When I heard that, I said, it's just gonna get worse because we're too crowded in here. And, and we live in an, an open environment. Bun heard the news on the tier. He said he was in the dark about how fast the spread was happening. They, they do not give us no information in there. We, we, we watch the news. 121 prisoners were transferred to San Quentin Information is tough to come by in the prison. You definitely don't get internet, but one thing you can get, TV. People all over San Quentin were glued to the screen, waiting on the latest updates. As far as getting information out of the prison, it's been so hard for me to connect with my loved ones on the inside. Letters take days to reach me, and it takes weeks to get one back in. Usually we can talk on the phone, but access to the phones has been limited for months. This is Global Telling. You have a prepaid call from an inmate at the California State Prison, San Quentin, San Quentin, California. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. To accept this call, say or dial 5 now. My buddy Greg is still incarcerated at San Quentin. He's a journalist. He's 47 years old and married. I've known Greg for most of my adult life. Recently, he was able to get a call out from North Block. I have a family, you know, that I love and care about deeply. And initially, I was I was afraid for them, you know, worrying about them catching this coronavirus. Now, I'm worried about my health because now I'm faced with it. I'm faced with the exact same problems that the society is being faced with right now. It's, but it's, it's hitting us extremely hard because we're in a we're in a building that has zero circulation. When I say zero, zero circulation. I remember sleeping in North Block. I never felt a breeze. There are no fans. They have small windows open that do not generate enough air. So we're all just breathing in this filth that's inside of this building. This dust. This, this, this bacteria, we're just bringing it all in. In mid-June, after coronavirus was found at the prison, public health experts visited San Quentin. Days later, they released an urgent memo. In it, they said, San Quentin is an extremely dangerous place for an outbreak. Everything should be done to decrease the number of people exposed to this environment as quickly as possible. Ventilation is poor, windows have been welded shut, and the fan system does not appear to have been turned on for years. Heat on the far side of the building can be stifling. There is an immediate need to clean and turn on all fan and HVAC systems immediately. An outbreak in North and West Block could easily flood and overwhelm San Quentin as well as Bay Area hospitals. We therefore recommend that the prison population in San Quentin be reduced to 50% of current capacity via decarceration. Meanwhile, San Quentin was moving people around inside the prison. 
They converted the gym into housing, and some people who tested positive for COVID were being put into solitary for quarantine. Greg stayed in North Block. We're locked in, in the cage every single day. I mean, we come out for a shower every seven, eight days, we'll come out for a shower. Other than that, we're stuck inside of the cells. I mean, when I say stuck, I mean, we literally do not come out of this cell. We haven't been outside in close to two months. You know, we haven't seen the sunlight. We haven't. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. We haven't seen the sun. We haven't had fresh air. We haven't had felt the wind on my face in over two months. Behind the walls, the majority of folks are black and people of color. And the prison is overcrowded. In fact, the whole California system is over capacity by close to 20,000 people. With everybody packed in together like this, viruses hit incarcerated populations hard. In San Quentin, I've seen the neurovirus rip through. There was an outbreak of Legionnaire's disease some years back. And when it's flu season, on the inside, it's all bad. When something contagious is going around inside the prison, they usually lock people down in their cells. I've been on lockdowns like that. Being stuck in a cell with a sickness and a bunkie is no way to heal. Being on lockdown for a month, everyone is is in a state of misery. People are just are just stressed out and just really depressed. Watching all these people around us get sick. I mean, I'm hearing grown men cry out in the middle of the night, you know, that they can't breathe or calling out for medical or their body is aching. And it's, and, 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 and it's, heart, and it's heart-wrenching to hear that. In mid-June, the cases soared from 200 to 500 in a matter of days. The people in there, the older guys that are scared, some guys is just scared out of their mind. They put notes on front of their bar letting people know, like, I'm, I'm immune compromised. Please stay away from me. While people were getting hauled off to medical, Bun, like other guys in the building, did what he could to protect himself with whatever he had. They gave his hand sanitizer in April, and it was like, uh, a six-ounce one, and that was it. It was gone before the corona even broke open. And they gave us uh, two masks that they made, uh, and that's it. So I was trying to prepare myself not to catch it. Like, I would put uh, 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 my towel up so I could have a little, at least a little cushion between me and the bars, because you got to sleep and, and, and the CEO walk by and count you three times a night. And, and he's, on, he's only breathing about a foot away from you when he shines his flashlight in there and look in. They threatened to write me up saying, hey, you can't cover up like that. And I tried to explain to him, I said, it's coronavirus. I'm sleeping. I don't know who's walking by breathing here. To add to his fears... Bun has underlying health conditions. He's hypokalemic and experiences periodic paralysis. And uh, I have a rare blood disease, and I was scared because I don't know 
what COVID's gonna do, how is it gonna trigger some of my health issues? And uh, I could I could die, I could get in the middle of the night and not know it and just die. I was angry, I was upset, and I was worried. I, I, I try to maintain, hopefully I could leave this place before it hits me. Outside his cell, the virus was ripping through San Quentin. In late June, over the course of three days, cases skyrocketed from 500 to more than 1,000. Here's Greg again. Like, I'm really nervous about my, about my health and my livelihood because I'm watching people every day um, go down. The ambulance is coming to the building every day because people are, uh, are falling out. People are, are getting sick. Um, people that I've known for, for years in here are passing away, and no one knows who's going to be the next person to pass away. And, that's, and that is just scary to just know that at any moment, I can get sick. Phone access from inside the prison has been increasingly restricted. Right now, they're not letting any calls out from the cell blocks. I've only been able to connect to my people on just a few occasions. One person I've been thinking about is my friend Ant. He's been incarcerated 19 years. Ant's on a hospital cleaning crew in San Quentin. He's been going to work in areas contaminated with COVID. I haven't been able to talk to him, but he managed to call a friend of ours. I'm a hospital worker. I work in the hospital. I'm on a strike team. And at times, we're called all nights at hours, 3 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock in the morning. We're woken up out of our seats to go clean COVID-19 and, and clean the cell from top to bottom from back to front and wipe everything down to sterilize it. Now, at one point, we had to clean 50 cells at a time. At 50 cells at a time, three of us. At one point, we were threatened to clean a cell, that if we didn't clean a cell, that we would be written up. A write-up from a CO, a correctional officer, can add time to your sentence. If you're going to the parole board, it can deny your freedom for years. We come back to the building and we can't even get a shower. And that's the least we're asking for is a shower after we've been cleaning for these people all day. We're being told by COs that, oh, we'll get you tomorrow on the shower. We'll get you the next day on the shower. We'll get you the next day on the shower. We're not getting our showers. I feel like a person who's not even being looked at. I feel left at a person. I'm being treated as though I don't even matter. I'm being treated as though I'm not a person. I'm not a human being. That's how you treat slaves. You treat them less than. And that's how I feel I'm being treated. I feel like a slave. Now I'm about to be written. And now I'm about to be written up for being on the phone. During this call, a guard threatens him with a write-up. Yeah, he just wrote my name down if I didn't get off the phone. So I have to get now I have to obey this rule because I want to go home. Ant tested positive for the virus. He was still finding symptoms when he made that call.
By the end of June, less than a month since the first case, more than a third of the incarcerated population tested positive for COVID. And then... <coughs> I knew I was positive because I was having symptoms. I had chills and I was like, oh my God. I was having headaches and I've just laid there. I slept maybe half the day and woke up worried because I have the symptom now. It is not over. When we return, Bun is fighting COVID symptoms from his cell when he gets a visit from someone he was not expecting. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Snap Judgment. Outbreak at San Quentin. When last we left, almost one-third of the incarcerated population of San Quentin had tested positive for COVID-19. And Bun was showing symptoms himself. Listener discretion is advised. Snap judgment. I knew I was positive because I was having symptoms. I had chills and I was like, oh my God. I was having headaches and I've just laid there. I slept maybe half the day. And woke up worried because I have the symptom now. And while Bun was fighting COVID symptoms, people were sick all around him. The number of active cases grew to more than 1,200. Almost 100 staff members tested positive, too. And all over the prison, people were collapsing. And this whole time, there's the first responders team of incarcerated people that live at the firehouse at San Quentin. I know this place well because I worked there for two years. It's the hardest work I've ever done in my life. You're on call 24-7, no days off, and you get paid little to nothing. Some guys are making around 20 cents an hour. So since this COVID has started, you know, uh, we've been going on a lot of calls. Basically, it's like every, on an average of every 30 minutes, or I even say less than that, 20 minutes, you got a man down, you got a medical man down. A man down every 20 minutes. That's Eric Phillips. I helped train him when he first came to the firehouse. Where we come in at is, you know, we pretty much transport. You know, and do CPR. If, if somebody's not responsive, we, we're the ones that uh, do CPR. With everybody crashing from COVID, Eric told me they've been getting calls faster than they can respond to them. He said for one COVID patient, they performed CPR for an hour before he started breathing again. Some of these calls we're going on, it's the, uh, it's, it's, it's the same people. Went to go pick up one dude three times already. So he can't, he can't breathe. He's having a hard time uh, getting up. Uh, you know, so and it's like instead of just sending him off to the hospital, uh, a lot of times, you know what I mean, the 
medical staff here and there just try to treat them in their cell, put them on an O2 tank, oxygen tank. But, you know, they, the conditions just get worse. And when they can't be treated in their cell, the team takes patients to the triage and treatment area, the TTA. TTA is kind of like a, almost a makeshift emergency room, if you will. This is Alex Simon, another first responder incarcerated at San Quentin. Nine times out of ten that we've gone in there, the beds have all been full. And, and they've even gone to the measures of getting extra beds and putting them in like the holding cells. And, you know, that's not even a, an actual room. And so they've actually got beds in there so people can go in there and, and, and it, I mean, it, you know, it's complete chaos. Some patients are transported out of the prison, filling hospital beds on the outside. The rush of patients is putting a strain on local hospitals. At one point, over at Marin General, half of their intensive care unit was filled with patients from San Quentin. I got a letter from a dear friend of mine trapped on the main line, Terry. It said, in short, Rashid, brother, they got me. You made it out the walls before this pandemic, but then as you probably heard on the news, they transferred it in here. Just this morning, I heard a double man down on the second floor and saw them bring a guy out from the fifth tier. I did take the test yesterday, so should hear something tomorrow. Sorry about the writing. I get sloppy when my hand is trying to keep pace with my thoughts. I hope you could read most of it because, brother, if I do get it and go out due to it, know that I held a special place in my heart for you. Sincerest memories. Terry. While Bun is fighting off symptoms of the coronavirus in his cell, he's called off the tier to meet with an ICE agent. See, Bun is a Cambodian refugee. He came to the U.S. when he was just a boy. He got his green card, but lost his status with his conviction. The ICE agent tells him when he leaves San Quentin, he isn't going home. He's going to an ICE detention center. Now I gotta go to ICE with this symptom and I don't even know if, if I could survive it if I'm in ICE because of the uh, poor treatment they have over there. His underlying health issues added to his fears. So I believe there was a strong chance of me even dying in there because of coronavirus. One morning, he got the call. An uh, officer came. He's like, he opens the door. He goes, you come out. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, come out. So he looks at me. He goes, hey, I got, I got a tip. And I was like, what? He said, you got 10 minutes. They're coming to get you right now. And I was, I was like, he, he surprised the hell out of me. So I clear up my stuff, and then I run around the building saying goodbye to my friends. But most of them were bedridden. A lot of them just waved back, and some of them was just sleeping because they were sick. They were all sick. And, uh, I mean, I was happy for myself, but it was hard for me to see my friends that are sick. And if they weren't sick, they would jump for so much joy. And 
I was look. I I, I always thought like I I always thought like I hope they survive it. I I pray that they survive it. And Bun was still sick himself. He was escorted down to R and R, receiving and release to get transported out of the prison. So I could see a van there, and I'm looking at it. I say, okay, that's not the ice van. That's the normal van. So they they come get me, and he said, let's row off to the bus station. And I was like, are you serious? For some reason, miraculously, ice didn't show up, and Bun was driven out to a nearby bus depot. And opens up the door. And he gives me my uh, gate money and say, hey, go to that lady right there. She'll give you a bus ticket. And they take off. I was like, what? Bun says prison transportation dropped him off with no fresh hand sanitizer, no new PPE. He was wearing one of the same masks he had gotten months before. So I'm still scared of ice. Because, you know, I've heard stories that they jump out the bushes on you for no reason. I cross the street and I see it says uh, Terminal A, bus number 7 in San Francisco. I go over there. I ask the bus driver, can I get in? But I think he knew I just got out of prison. So he said, yeah, come on, come on in. So he told me where to get off. And uh, when I got off the bus, I wasn't even walking straight. I wasn't feeling well. I was getting nauseated. So I put my bags down on the bench and took a nap. Bun wasn't tested inside San Quentin. He did test positive for COVID on the outside the day he was released. Bun got out July 1st, a month after the outbreak began. On that day, San Quentin had over 1,500 active cases of COVID. In the days that followed, Almost half of the population was COVID positive, and people started dying. July began with three deaths. I'm going to start with a statement from, from a really good friend of mine. Um, his name is Todd Tran, and right now he's in West Block fighting for his life. Back at San Quentin, organizers held a press conference in front of the prison gates, calling attention to the crisis behind bars. This is James King reading a letter he received from inside. He said, I write this after three days of being curled into a fetal position, fighting off COVID-19. For a week now, shrieks of man down followed by alarms have become my alarm clock. I count at least five emergency medical alarms a day. Over 30 people hospitalized in my building alone this past week. After fighting excruciating headaches and vomiting, all that I am given to heal myself is a box lunch, which is now served for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We have not been allowed to use the payphone for over two weeks now. We are given showers once every five days, showering with 40 to 50 other people at a time. 18 shower heads, one foot apart, in a building with no ventilation, creating a sauna-like effect. I was COVID tested in late June in an attempt to transfer me to another prison. When Tan was tested for COVID, 
He didn't have any symptoms yet. That same day, he was sent back to a cell. That same day, I was placed back into the same building with the same sick men. That same day, I showered in that same sauna-like shower and listened to people discuss how sick they were. That same day, I had to walk down to the first tier to pick up my dinner tray in a line of 40 to 50 people, then walk back up. Two days later, I was showing symptoms. I washed my hands. I wore my mask. I was locked into a cell 23 hours a day. I slept head to foot with my celly and was still infected. I was sick and bedridden when I received my test results that read COVID negative. This is what it looks like to test someone, then try to transfer them. While Tan didn't get taken off to another prison, others did. It turns out CDCR, the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, had repeated the same kind of transfer that got San Quentin into this crisis. They moved people out from San Quentin to a prison in Susanville. And now there's an outbreak there. This is the sickest I've been in my life. This is the most alone I've ever been in my life. I'm begging you to see how we suffer. I'm begging you to hear us. And please, Gavin Newsom, save our lives. We are dying in here. Governor Newsom recently said the state would release 8,000 people. But even after those releases, California prisons would still be nearly 10,000 people over capacity. And even if a prison like San Quentin was down to full capacity, it would still have people like Greg bunking up in a 5x10 cell, sleeping head to toe, hoping the virus doesn't get through the bars. I understand that he was sentenced to, to, to come to prison. However, this is this this type of treatment wasn't a part of my sentence. I wasn't sentenced to die inside of the prison. of this recording, 13 people in San Quentin have died, bringing the number of lives lost in California prisons to 40. Our hearts go out to them and theirs sincerely, and to everyone inside San Quentin and the many other prisons nationwide beset with coronavirus. Stay strong. shared their story with us. Chanton Bond is a producer now living on the outside. Welcome home, Bond. Big love from all of us here at SNAP. We hope you have a fast and thorough recovery from the virus. Greg Eskridge and Ton Tran, who are featured in this story, are both multimedia journalists currently incarcerated at San Quentin. Many thanks to Ant, to Eric Phillips, and Alex Simon for sharing their stories from the inside as well. We appreciate you. Rashid Lockhart, 
who narrated this piece, works with Planting Justice, a food and social justice organization empowering those impacted by incarceration. They have a two-acre nursery right here in Oakland. You can check them out. A special thanks to James King from the Ella Baker Center and Adnan Khan from Restored Justice. Thank you. To stay up to date on what is going on and how you can support people on the inside, we're going to have links to all the amazing work that these people are doing. Visit our website, snapjudgment.org. That piece was produced by Pat Masidi Miller and Nina Gensler Debs. Now, when Snap Judgment returns, Rashid writes a letter to a friend on the inside, and there is so much more where that came from. When Snap Judgment, Outbreak at San Quentin continues, Stay tuned.